listening to Inside Healthy Teams by Apricot Consulting, a series that draws on the experience of experts to unearth the principles of personal and team leadership. For more information, go to apricotconsulting.us. Welcome to Inside Healthy Teams from Apricot Consulting, revealing conversations with the execs designed to help leaders build healthy teams and organisations. We focus on the key people levers that build great organisations. On this podcast, we are joined by Rebecca Evans. Rebecca was most recently the Group Executive People and Culture for PEXA. Welcome, Rebecca. Thanks for having me. Great to have you on the show today. Tell us a bit about yourself, who you are, the role you played at PEXA, and how that's shaped your perspective on communication. Uh, well, I'm originally from Adelaide. So after growing up from Adelaide in a sort of small country town, I decided to move to Queensland and explore the big wide world. Um, and then I later moved to Melbourne. Um, which I absolutely love Melbourne, so I call myself a Melbourneer now. Um, I've always been in roles which sort of centre around people and HR, but in a number of different industries, so from non-profit to financial services, unions, um, and most recently at PEXA, which is a prop tech. Um, I've got a real passion for startups and growing businesses, um, and that came from the last role at PEXA because I had the opportunity to grow with the business from when it was really small in that startup phase. Um, to that sort of more mature phase, which saw me grow individually, but also with my career, starting as sort of HR manager in a smaller company, but then eventually being part of that executive team for a really sort of medium-sized company. Great. And how have they shaped your perspective on communication? Uh, I think sort of growing up with an organisation has really shaped the way that I communicate in the sense that you learn a lot through the different phases of the company. So when it's small, you know everyone and it's really quite easy to communicate when it's a smaller business. But as you scale quite quickly, I had to learn a lot in terms of how to sort of adapt the way I communicate and the way that the business communicates um, to make sure that it's really clear and consistent across the board. But I think what I've always sort of related to is making sure it's authentic and also simple and clear. Uh, over the years, have you seen any standardised approach to the tools used in communication? Um, not so much standardised, but little things like um, that work well in the past that I've seen is creating sort of routines and rituals. So things that people can expect um, and know what, what to expect from it from a communication point of view. So things like um, what we did in my last company was Every month we would have a company-wide team meeting where the CEO would get up, he would talk about what direction the company is headed in, how we performed, what our customers were thinking of us, what the feedback was from customers. Um, and it was an also opportunity for people to sort of have a Q&A style session with the CEO, which you don't often get in many companies. And every Thursday we would do this. And then after the session was over, there would be socialisation and a few drinks and nibbles as well. And that really sort of created a sense of everyone coming together, dropping the tools. They knew what to expect. They had the opportunity to sort of share questions and be open with each other and also with the CEO. And I think that sort of became one of those rituals and habits which sort of shaped and helped our culture in terms of creating that open communication. In terms of some of that ritual, many organisations get bogged down in email. And how do you go, go about breaking through that clutter and the noise is, is there a way around email? Is it just, we just got to accept it? Yeah. What's your um, view on that? I haven't really figured that one out yet, but um, email definitely is a drain. So it's just, I think it is definitely getting worse. There's 
lot more channels to communicate with as well. So it is becoming quite distracting for people in terms of trying to keep up with where to, you know, which channels to follow from communication. But I think the only thing with email is just use it for formal communication. So really try and encourage conversations. We did a lot of training in the past on actually trying to just have a conversation with someone rather than sit down and write an email. Um, some people don't like the face-to-face conversation or find it difficult, whereas if you keep the training up and treat, trying to sort of train that muscle in terms of feedback and conversation, it might eliminate the need for emails all the time. But, yeah, as I said, I haven't sort of seen it done well anyway yet. Have you seen any evidence, just building on some of that point that you raised there, mm-hmm. those points that you've raised there, in, in regards to anyone who may use a communication framework or, or equivalent for scaffolding communication? Because you mentioned email is really there for formal yep. communication. Is there other approaches, other tools that you've seen that work well in terms of scaffolding communication down? Um, yeah, so I've worked mainly with small to medium-sized organisations, so my experience isn't in sort of large corporate organisations. But um, so we have never had a lot of structure in those comms. But I think what's worked well is when you're really clear on the what channels you have within the organisation and what purpose they serve. So if email is for formal communications and sort of business updates, then maybe teams could use Slack or they could use Trello and different sort of alternatives like that, or even they could use blogs on the intranet. So just being really clear as to what purpose they serve and what channels people go to for information. But Slack was a really good one to sort of build in collaboration with the teams instead of going to an email and asking a question. Individuals could just go to Slack and sort of throw it out there. Someone would respond, whoever was free at the time. Um, And it was just a great way to sort of make sure that you're reducing emails in the long run. Great. Clearly communication isn't always scaffolded down or with either either with from from an exec down necessarily or a peer-to-peer, where or when have you experienced communication breakdown, organisationally or personally? Tell us the story of what happened, the result, and what you had to do to correct it. Uh, Yeah, I experienced this early on in my career with, um, it was actually a a team communication that I was trying to share, and it was a message that sort of the business had said um, in terms of this is the direction we need to head, which then impacted um, my team. So what I did was sort of think about the team structure, where we needed to head, and made a few changes. Um, and then when I went to go to communicate that with the team, this was something I learned the hard way, um, but I didn't do enough planning. And I thought, you know, we do this all the time with managers. It's quite easy to do. We'll just What we'll do is we'll just plan it out. They'll accept the change because it's really clear. It makes sense. It made sense to me. But um, what I didn't do was think through what if it doesn't make sense to them or what if they have questions and what if they're not okay with the change. And I think what we often do is it's some change is quite personal for people and what, what might be okay for you is not necessarily okay for someone else. So what I learned the hard way is when communicating this change, it could have been quite a positive change if I had sort of planned it out and spent a lot of time with them one-on-one to sort of explain that. But I did think it was quite a simple change. So I assumed that's what it was, it would be okay. And then when I communicated it with the team, they didn't quite feel the same way. And so that it did damage the trust a little bit early on and it took a while to sort of repair that. So I think for future, what I've done now is really made sure that I've thought about those changes where all those situations where it doesn't go well and what if. And so really planned that out properly and made sure I've had some sort of information for them to refer back to later because when it's a personal change, you don't always absorb the information that you hear. Building on your point in terms of planning 
and thinking that through regarding communication and the implications of that and the change that it may impact on people. There are, some of our listeners will struggle with open and honest communication in their businesses. What approaches have you found to create an honest culture of communication? Yeah, um, I think with the communication in terms of being honest and open, it has to really be part of the organisation's DNA as well. If it's not, it can come across quite as um, inauthentic. But I think to sort of encourage collaboration, what what we've done in the past is made sure that people have the tools um, to actually have the conversation and the skills to do so. So a lot of training with leaders and managers um, and general employees too, just on how to actually have a conversation and sometimes take the emotion out of the conversation and the overthinking and the anxiety on that conversation. So how to handle that and how to make it a constructive conversation. So rather than saying, James, well done, that was a great job, try and say, James, when you communicated this um, to X, you did such a great job because of this. So be really clear and specific about why someone did a really good job or what improvement is needed. So I think to sort of encourage that, remove some of that emotion and that heat from the conversation and just try and make it really objective, that really helps people to sort of confront, um, sorry, to overcome that barrier. Great. And I guess these days we measure a lot of things, particularly yeah. in the space of HR and, and other parts of the business. What ways do you go about measuring the effectiveness of the organisational communication? Uh, yeah, we used to do a lot of engagement surveys. So we only did annual surveys at the time, but we were looking to move to more sort of frequent surveys, which focus on different topics. So if we had just launched, say, performance appraisals, we could then sort of do a follow-up with um, a survey just to sort of see how that landed with people. Did they have the information they needed? Do they understand what's required of them? So I think that's a really great tool to use when trying to measure and assess how effective communication is. Um, and then also just ask people. So if you want to eliminate barriers and sort of make it easier to have conversations, just go up to a handful of people and just ask them, hey, how did you find this? What did you think? Because half the time that's the best sort of feedback that you'll get is that informal one-on-one. Great. I guess an extension of that is how do you know when your message has landed? Yeah. Um, how you intended? You get less questions. So if it's landed well, people understand what's required of them. You don't get people coming back saying, where do I find this? How do I get this? What Help me with that. You get less questions and less sort of noise um, and I think less water cooler conversations as well. So people know why, what's expected. It sort of it goes through quicker rather than prolonged. Great. I guess thinking at all the key elements in communication and I guess for a lot of our listeners, we're still going to use email a lot. Mm-hmm. And, and that's one way that many of us may spend a lot of time on that drafting that one email. Yes. And sometimes <laughs> forever yep. because we know it could actually go to someone else. It could be pushed out. As soon as you click send, it could go to anywhere. What do you make sure happens in every message you send? Uh, for email specifically? Just generally. Just generally, yeah. Um, I try not to do it when I'm tired or angry or upset, I try and sort of take a step back. So that's the first thing I'll do is make sure I'm in the right state of mind in terms of feeling calm and collected to send whatever it is I need to send. Um, And then I try and think through how 
IB when receiving that message. So often it's very hard to remove yourself when you've just laboured over an email and you've tried to really make sure it's um, getting the message across. So what I'll do is I'll ask my team members and just say, hey, can you read through this, get their feedback? Um, so I'm making sure that it's actually articulating what I want to say. Great. And certainly heard from other contexts where they talk about things such as the 24-hour rule. So if you've drafted an email and you know that it may have some heat in it, sit on it for 24 hours take the emotion out of it, revisit it and just review whether it's actually going to have the desired impact. Absolutely. Yeah, it makes such a difference, just that pausing and then reflecting and having a little bit of a break and coming back to it. There are always big organisational communication initiatives that go on internal, external, but ultimately interpersonal communication is the foundation of how people connect. What do you think are the most important values of how we connect? I think it's, yeah, it's hard because it's very individual. So the way one person communicates from another is very different and sometimes you relate better to certain people than others. So I think one thing is raising your own self-awareness. So whether that be through 360s or just asking for more feedback from people, that really helps you identify how you're coming across because half the time it's probably not intended. It's just you're not quite aware of it. So self-awareness I think is a really big one in that. Um, and then I just think the other thing is try and have a bit of empathy as well. So put yourself in their shoes, try and say, okay, maybe they're having a bad day or maybe, you know, this didn't land quite the way it should have landed. Apologise. Just be a bit more vulnerable in your conversations. Great. One last question. Mm-hmm. Is the, the communication between execs to their staff if in your gleanings and your experience of seeing what you've seen in the market, in the world, in terms of communication, what can execs learn from being more effective in their communication? I think probably distractions. So executives can be like quite distracted because there's just so many competing priorities. There's a lot of noise out there. There's a lot of urgent phone calls. I think really put down your phone, give the person the attention um, that they need in that moment and really listen. So I think that's probably the thing as an executive that I would say because it's very easy to get distracted but actually engaging with that person, focusing on them will just make such a big impact. Great. And equally the other way, so if I'm not an exec but I need to communicate to an executive, what, what would some helpful tips be? Um, I'd say just be open and honest. So as hard as that can be for someone to sort of be open with an executive, everyone is human at the end of the day and so we just want to be spoken to normally. So just say what you feel, um, do it in a constructive way. I'm not saying do it in a, a way that's not constructive but just, yeah, be open and I think um, you'll find that it's it's okay. <laughs> Terrific, Beck. Thank you for your great insights today. Thank you to you listeners out there listening to Inside Healthy Teams from Apricot Consulting. Thanks for listening to Inside Healthy Teams by Apricot Consulting. We hope you found it helpful. And if you did, it would help us if you could rate and review this episode on your podcast platform and subscribe for more episodes. For more information, go to apricotconsulting.us.